I just want to put it out there on the internet radio that if I ever go missing under mysterious circumstances, it's because Anthony fucking ate me. Probably. The stars are right. Well, welcome back, gang, to another riveting episode of the Hauntsville Cryptcast. <laughs> I'm Anthony and about to eat Doza. And I'm Anna and I'm about to witness Anthony eat Doza. And I'm the meal for today, Matthew Mendoza. <laughs> Today we're talking about ghosts, more specifically, ghost stories, which just blew our minds. So we just watched ghost stories. I loved it. I also loved it. Anna, can you tell them about ghost stories? I didn't know anything about it. Okay, so ghost stories is originally a play in London, similar to the sort of production size of The Woman in Black. Another phenomenal ghost story. Yeah. Uh, the play, not so much the film. In the film is also a great ghost story. We'll argue about this later. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, Ghost Stories started off as a small play in London. One of the writers, Andy Nyman, was, well, as well as being a writer, was the main actor in the play and also in the film. I think the play came out, I think it was around like seven or eight years ago in London. And... The film came out last year, um, but still with the same people who were involved in the play doing the film. Was like the whole production team? Not like the whole... It was the but... same writers for the play and the script, and obviously the um, actor was the same as mm-hmm. in the play. I don't know if any of the other actors from the stage play were actually in the film though that would be some- I very much doubt it though because I don't think Martin Freeman and people like that were on the stage show I would love to see Martin Freeman on stage that would be amazing just like some some raw live Martin Freeman yeah the thing I love about Martin Freeman is he's always Martin Freeman but he always fits into whatever character he's given yeah, he's an he doesn't need to try yeah I can look at him and be like that's Martin Freeman but like it doesn't take away from any yeah. of his performances. Exactly. He's not pinpointed to any character. He's this just... is our Martin Freeman fan cast now, because <laughs> I can g- gush on him forever. Yeah, he is an amazing man. What happened in the movie? <laughs> okay. I, so I locked in on Martin Freeman, and I was like, fuck everything else, this is what I'm doing now. Well, it's kind of hard to discuss the movie without spoilers. Oh, yeah, I don't want to like discuss um, it, but like, I, we could talk about like what the premise is for it. Yeah. So there's a guy that's like skeptical about paranormal stuff. So he goes around trying to like prove that it's fake. He's a professional debunker. Yeah. So his childhood hero, who also did the same thing, but mysteriously disappeared, sets him the challenge to go and solve three cases that he couldn't debunk. And that's basically the outline for what happens. Yeah, I was on board, like, from, from the exposition at the beginning of the movie, I, I was ready to ride this train to wherever it was going to go. I, I love the premise right off the bat. There's some some really cool thematic elements. It's broken up into segments, more or less, like, the three cases that he's individually investigating on his own, and they're, they're all interesting, and 
operate independently of one another and they each have a paranormal background of like a different aspect which is kind of really cool to me yeah uh the second one specifically has uh, a very evil dead style shot of oh the camera. definitely i think that was that was definitely on purpose a hundred percent it's iconic like instantly recognizable especially by the three of us yeah. like i'm looking at <laughs> Like, there's an Ash vs. Evil Dead thing in front of me. There's an Ash plushie <laughs> directly to my left. Like, I have a problem. I'm sorry. <laughs> we were the, the perfect people to see that moment. I Several times throughout this movie, I was, I was blown away by how much fun I was having and how much my mind was exploding. I loved watching yeah. you watch that film. You I were just, like, so expressed, like, no, no, don't do that. Don't do... No. Well, I was lying on the floor, <laughs> and like, I, I had my head in my hands, and I had no idea what was going on <laughs> in, like, the best way. So if, if you haven't... Uh, it, it just... It's relatively new. Go see this movie. We just watched yeah. it on Hulu, which is, as far as I know, the only place you could watch it, except maybe renting it on iTunes or maybe Amazon. Or watching it on a plane. Or on a plane. Oh, yeah, yeah, I watched it on the plane on the way over here. But um, it was an incredible film. Then does a fantastic job of taking these three vignettes of ghost stories and throwing you for a wild loop that none of us could have predicted. No. I mean, no spoilers. Definitely go watch it. But things aren't what they seem. Huh? And it's not one of those ones where if you say, oh, like you're not gonna see it coming that you go and watch it and you're looking for it on purpose you'll forget completely about that yeah i was thinking way too hard for a lot of the movie and i was like that is reminiscent of that which happened earlier and now i'm and okay and then the movie was over and i was beside myself but i think as far as ghost stories go and i mean we've been exposed to a lot of ghosts in film it's a really popular subject but when you think of like ghosts in film you get things like the ring and you get things like the grudge and they're like predominantly jump scares and the ghost comes out of nowhere and goes boo and you're scared for a minute but it's more visual than psychological ghost stories is it's visual psychological and it does that thing that a ghost story should do where it leaves this lingering sense of dread where you constantly second guessing what you just watched and what the characters have just gone through, and what was real and what wasn't. Well, how do you guys feel about jump scares as a whole? I hate them. Yeah, I mean, there's a time and a place for them. If they're overused, then it just makes the whole film redundant. You think that they and can be executed well? If they're used in very small quantities. like. Oh, yeah. But when I think of like a jump scare, I like it when they do things like... I don't know, it's a really awful film, but what was oh, what is it called? That Ironic. one with Nicole Kidman. No. Oh, The Others. It's a terrible hey, oh, film. I love Sorry. The Others. Okay, we're going to have to discuss this it's in a minute It's got an excellent then. twist. <clears throat> okay, but that's my example of, I actually like the jump scare of the beginning. All it is is just a loud noise, but I feel like that's a better jump scare than someone jumping out. It was part of like the immersive element, like, yeah. I think, for the film. It was like... Boom, you're in the movie. Exactly. I, I like it when it's done like that. Or like when there's a really eerie quiet scene and then to jump to the next scene, there's suddenly this really loud noise. Yeah, it's... it's Like when it's noise activated, I like it a lot better when it's than when it's someone actually jumping out from the side. It's like, oh, yay, boo. Yeah, because it's, it's more... For, for a lot of jump scares that I've seen in movies lately, like we, we're the victim of that. But like jump scares like the one that you're talking about in the others is more to 
to our benefit to get us into the realm of the movie a little exactly, bit more yeah. rather than just like here is a cheap scare because you're paying to see a horror movie and you want to be scared yeah that's where my problem comes in with jump scares i think a jump scare it's less of an actual scare that creates and incites fear and more of a surprise and the biggest thing that you'll see when these new films are showcasing what audience reactions are in the theater, you see all these people jump back in their seats, and more than likely it's because of some jump scare that happens through the film. They're not scared, they're surprised. That's like how Hereditary? Fucking terrifying. Scared the shit out of me. Couple jump scares, but the scariest part was was none of that. It was the, yeah. the, the dread and the atmosphere that they created in to make it an excellent, excellent ghost movie. But yeah, that's what any good ghost film should do. Ghosts are things that haunt you, things that linger. It's grief, it's dread. And Ghost Stories plays on all of those ideas. It's very psychological, it's very relatable. Whether you believe in the paranormal or not, that's the thing that you come home with. It's, okay, I've experienced all of these terrible feelings in life, and there are things that don't leave you. There are things that change you. There are things that influence you. Were there any jump scares in Ghost Stories? Yeah, there were a few. Okay. See, I didn't really notice them because you got the atmosphere the whole time. Exactly, because they were like, they were peppered throughout, but like they were bookended by, first of all, like good filmography. Mm-hmm. Filmography? What's the cinematography? Cinematography. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> man. Film. I I read I so much Wikipedia lately. I was just like, filmography is a word <laughs> that I should be saying. I think, but the the camera work <laughs> is very good, and the the jump scares added to the effect that they were trying to portray. Yeah, I mean, just as an example, without spoiling anything, the car scene in Ghost Stories, there is a, oh, for lack wow. of a better word, what could be considered a jump scare, but it's to add a surprise element. So if you're gonna have a jump scare and its aim is to surprise, then it's done its job. Because I didn't I didn't have a knee-jerk reaction to that. It was more of like, a, oh fuck, oh fuck. Yeah. So I have, I have a million things I could talk about. Do you guys have a favorite ghost movie? Ghost movie? I'm sure you can, but you overlook them. Yeah. Like The Others is a ghost film. Oh yeah, I know. I realized that as soon as I said it. I was like, oh, <laughs> I was hey, like, oh this great is time. relevant. Yeah. Oh, um, I thought that that was on purpose no it was it. literally the first thing that came to my head so, um, so your subconscious knows you better than you yeah do <laughs> so Anna had mentioned The Woman in Black which is both a film and a stage play and also a book I love all three I know that you don't like the film Anna but there's a reason for that. The stage play is one of the most immersive and bone-chilling experiences I've ever had. You I've saw seen it, it. In, in London, yeah? Yeah. It's one of the longest-running straight plays in England, uh, and I think just in general. I think it's like right under Sunset Boulevard and The Mousetrap. Ah, two I've never heard of. Really? Yeah. Okay. I'm a theater guy, but I guess not as good as I thought. Aren't both of the one of them's English, isn't it? Uh, the Mousetrap is also yeah. like exclusively English run. It's the longest running straight play, mm-hmm. and you guys hold the record for that. Yeah. Does it have anything to do with the board game? <laughs> no. <laughs> it has to do with the Agatha Christie novel. Oh, I do know what you're talking about. Never okay. mind. I'm dumb. <laughs> <laughs> but Woman in Black, it's one of the longest running straight plays. It's 
absolutely terrifying. It leaves you with a constant sense of lingering dread. It's got a ton of relatable tie-ins where you're going to go home that night and you're like, okay, I experienced this in a play and now I'm experiencing it in real life. What's next? The and play it's only is two people. amazing. It's two people on stage the yeah. entire time. The film doesn't hold up so much. It's still a beautiful ghost story. I think it conveys what it needs to with that lingering sense of dread and making you second guess the ghosts and the reality of the situation. But word for word, shot for shot, the film is the book. The thing where it falls short on film rather than in the book is, in the book, your imaginings get the best of you. It's still bone chilling and terrifying. The uh, film, everything is laid out before you. It's not really scary, but it is a beautiful ghost story. You see like, what the director wanted you to see rather exactly. than... Exactly. Yeah. Nothing your of your own imaginings and experiences. It's just, okay, here is a ghost story. Let me tell it to you as if we were around a campfire. Yeah. Did so they this... make a sequel to that? Yes, oh. which has nothing to yeah. do with anything. Written by... Okay. I don't even know, but it not, was bad. Not the people that we were involved in okay. Woman in Black. I watched yeah. it. I was bored. It was bad. All right, pass. <laughs> but that's what I don't like about the film, though, is because the play, like, I can close my eyes and still see the image of the ghost from the play, and it still haunts the hell out Ooh. of me. And it, it, like, gives me chills every time I think about the play, because it really does leave, like, this huge impression on you. Because I've only seen it once, and still I can close my eyes and see every single part of it. I'm getting chills, like, listening it's, to you talk about it's it. It's absolutely amazing. Um, oh. Sorry, I was just going to say, like, but to then watch it on film, where they, they're using, like, CGI for the ghost, and the image of the ghost is nowhere near as haunting as it is in real life, because... Practical and, effects. Yes, thank yes. you, that's what I was going to say. However, when it comes to ghosts... <laughs> I'm always so pro-practical effects. I'm obsessed with anything that's done with puppetry, yep. makeup, animatronics, you name it. But when it comes to ghosts and things like Woman in Black and Crimson Peak, you can't get away with ghosts like that without that help from CG. Crimson Peak was beautiful, though. Yes, exactly. That's got the core of its finest. It's CG, but all the CG is is to add that element of ethereal, like, wispiness and things that you can't convey with just, like, fabrics and makeup. You could have got that guy. Who's the, who's that actor? He played like Abe Sapien and every creepy like long boy in every movie. Doug Jones. Doug Jones. Doug, oh, Doug Jones yeah. could have done it. Yeah. Andy Serkis probably could have done it. Did Andy Serkis do all the mocap for Crimson Peak? I have no idea. He should have. <laughs> I think I need to rewatch Crimson Peak because it didn't resonate with me at all. Really? Is the season. Yeah. Which is weird because you know, it's beautiful gothicness. It, it gave me chills, and it was, like, kind of a love story, and I, I was super invested in the characters. Yes. Crimson Peak and Woman in Black are beautiful Christmas ghost stories. Oh, yeah. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Kill a scorned loved one. <laughs> so you want to talk about... I don't know why I'm saying do you want to talk about... I am now preparing you for me to talk about the history of ghosts in film. Yes, please. Uh, do you know what the first instance of a ghost in film, not like a like a capture of a real ghost, but like the first ghost movie? I'm going to take a stab in the dark and say it was a George Melies film. I'm going to go for White Zombie. Would you believe it uh, was in 1896? Wow. In what is film historians are calling the first horror movie ever? It was a ghost movie called the, the Haunted Castle, and Anthony was correct. George Melius. Hell yeah. George? George? You want to talk or, about... Orgy? You want to talk about practical effects. George Melius invented practical effects. Yes. He was a magician turned filmmaker, and 
everything that he did was just like, here are the illusions we can create by laying frames over each other or putting these costumes on. Everything he did was incredible. Yeah, it, brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant work. He did The Haunted Castle. I need to see that. I can't believe I didn't film? know it, was, it existed. It must have been yeah. back then, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah definitely a silent yeah. film. Yeah. 30s. So this is the one I was talking about. It, uh, it's listed as 60 meters in, in length as the running time, uh, which is about three minutes in time time. <laughs> I don't, I think that's like how long the film reel was. Gotta be. I, I don't know how they how they recorded film like that, is it? Um, uh, I guess because the playback rate can vary. So 60 oh. meters can last you three minutes or like, right. I don't know. So he did the, uh, the Haunted Castle, which the first horror film, first paranormal film, and Potentially the first vampire film, because there is a transformation from man to bat. All right. So hmm. I'm into it. Yeah. Uh, and it was also one of the, like, the longest running films ever at the time. That just like solidifies my, my love for horror even more. That like people had this thought from the inception of film, like, let's make something scary and put it up there. And... Because with, with with no CGI, it was all it was all camera tricks and practical effects, and it, it's I, I watched it actually. It's it's good. It's what you would expect from a, a movie from the 1800s, but uh, I think it's important for anybody that you know cares about horror or cares about like, even film as a whole. Like definitely take 60 meters out of your day and watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, does the 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 point that you just made where even in like the earliest filmmaking people decided hey let's make something scary when you think about it people have been entertaining each other with ghost stories for as long as the written word has existed even before then i mean people have been coming up with these stories of life and death and what happens after you know as it's how frankenstein and dracula were written just telling ghost stories and uh melius even went uh as far as to to talk about it, it was his original intent wasn't even you know to to elicit fear from the audience. It was it was to to entertain, and to say like here is what we can do with the power of film, and he he made some quote unquote and, and maybe even genuine magic. I was reading like how how people responded to it, and it, it was it was very cool, and it sort of paved the way for horror movies and and film as a whole, for what people were capable of. Also, I can't, be- I can't believe you you nailed it. <laughs> I love George Melias. It was my only <laughs> my only shot towards early filmmaking and horror. Um, my only other guess would have been something like Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, but not yeah. a ghost story, just a horror film. Yeah. I'm so I'm continuously impressed and ashamed by you. <laughs> like for every, I have that effect on people. Yeah, for everything that you do that blows me away, it's immediately followed up by like. I'm rubbing my fucking temples right now. <laughs> but, I mean, as far as favorite ghost stories go, I mean, if mine's stage play Woman in Black, where do you guys stand? I don't know. I think my my favorite ghost movie ever? Probably Poltergeist. Growing up in, in the 90s and coming off of, like, the paranormal film hype of that, like, that was the quintessential ghost movie uh, of my childhood and I just kind of I hung on to it because it was I mean it doesn't hold up as well today but 
when I watched it the first time, it was it was terrifying because I, I was I was young and it was very very real. It holds up better than its remake. I you know what? I completely forgot that they remade it. Yeah, I was probably like, what are you best talking that about? way. <laughs> I don't even think I bothered seeing it. I just mentally blanked it from my mind, like I do with a lot of things like that. <laughs> I blanked the fact that there were two more Poltergeist movies. Oh yeah, but that kind of campy and fun. Yeah, I'm. Whereas the first one was, was legitimately horrifying, the other two were just. They were they were fun movies. Yeah. But like, I I don't hold them in nearly as high esteem as I do to some of the other things that we talk about, but like. If you haven't seen them, definitely check them out. If you have, if you're looking for something to watch, I think they're on Amazon Prime right now, both of them. I love Poltergeist. I think it's amazing, but I do hold Poltergeist responsible for the slew of paranormal activity BS that we got after. That is true. It was the first film to really introduce that subject of like, hey, here's a bunch of paranormal investigators and the story that unfolds with it. So now we have hey, here's just the paranormal investigator footage, and also it's bad. <laughs> I'm sure it was one of the first movies that used, like, Poltergeist actually moving objects to freak people out as well. Because that's yeah. all you see in ghost movies now is, oh, they've moved a chair. Oh, no, they're moving the covers off my foot. Um, like, I think before that it was mostly just, here's a ghost. It's not moving anything, you can't touch it, but it's going to scare the crap out of you. And I haven't seen Haunted Castle, but I know George Melies. If it's what I'm thinking, then I'm sure he also did that, where like he just used things moving on their own to convey ghosts. There there are visual representations of ghosts, but the, he did do... It was like, a chair goes. But yeah. this was... Uh, I definitely okay, think that's that an makes, older motif. Yeah, that totally makes my argument redundant. But that's something that you bring up a good point. That's something that always like really bothered me about ghosts in film is when they do something that's like just for the audience. Yeah. And from from I don't I don't know anything about this shit, but from a metaphysical standpoint, if you're taking all that energy and trying to manifest, you're not just going to like hang off of the banister for no reason to not interact with the people like in the film that you're about. I when they just kind of like hang out in the background, that bothers me because it's it's just for us and it doesn't add to to my experience. I'm just I spend that moment of like, why are you even doing that? Why why bother? Yeah, we just recently watched The Lodgers on Netflix. It's a ghost story. It definitely nails that sort of gothic horror atmosphere. It's beautiful, but the ghosts have like no purpose no and when they're sort of revealed <clears throat> they're like not yeah as you said they've got no purpose they don't do anything they just are there to be there to convey mm. that the remnants of this house are still there boo yeah. wait that's not a ghost joke <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, a big advocate of, of less is more sometimes. And have you seen The the Haunting, the 63? <clears throat> yeah. No. So that is a ghost movie. With... That's actually my favorite one. Yeah? Yeah. It's it's absolutely excellent. It, it is scary. And there are no visible ghosts in that film. No. And it 
it's all psychological, which is what I adore about it, especially for the time. It's just the shots are absolutely incredible. Yeah, not not a wasted moment. Yeah, I, it's genuinely a, a good ghost film. I mean, the the remake is so bad. The one with Catherine Zeta Jones in it. Yeah, they so like, bad. A lot they, of the stuff. Yeah, that... <laughs> they complete. They say it's a remake, but it's it's actually nothing like the first one story wise at all. Yeah, it's a spiritual successor yeah in name <laughs> but it yeah that was awful so don't let that put you off watching the original because it's a completely different film and it's so clever the way that it just messes with your head but it doesn't feel like it's on purpose it doesn't feel like they're trying to mess with your head but no matter who you are if you watch it there'll be something that resonates with you psychologically in that film yeah they kind of stumbled onto a, an excellent sort of thought experiment in fear in general right it's it's a chilling experience to yeah. watch this movie and like i I watched it maybe three, four months ago, mm. and still I just like ooh when I when it ends those credits roll I just uh. yeah I think that was def- that's definitely mine that that's a good one very yeah. good pick I'll have to watch it please for I'm me. a sucker for a good ghost story it's just a shame that ghost stories have become muddled with so much nonsense where like we've got to sift through it well, I mean is it because it's are, are ghost movies easy to do? Why, why do they keep... I don't think so. I mean, a good one's a good not one, easy no. to do. But on the note of paranormal activity and films like that, that have kind of become the norm for ghost stories now, we just watched on Amazon a film called Bad Ben. Oh, oh Bad Ben. Well, you know yeah. it. And Badder Ben. We haven't yeah, watched Badder Ben yet. we haven't watched yet. the other ones yet. And then there's like Baddest Ben. It keeps going. It's, it's Bad Ben, Badder Ben. Bad Ben Bloodlines. Like... Something. And then like the Crescent Moon Clown. That's oh, what yeah. drew me into this what? rabbit hole. That's the fourth film. And then there's a prequel. I only watched but the first two. I only watched the first one. And it was just kind of on a whim. We were just like, let's just throw something on. <laughs> Well, we got you kind know of what? sucked into it because of the Crescent Clown thing. We're like, what yeah. is this? And it was Bad Ben. That sounds great. But it's one man. It was written, directed, produced, acted by one man. This he one man, he did everything by himself. Oh, yeah. oh okay. So that's made it so much better now. All of the like single shot cameras, a great use of what he had. Yeah, out of necessity hand. rather than a gimmick. A gimmick. Which... To me, Paranormal Activity is then a million-dollar gimmick, where this man, I feel, even though there's a couple of bad sound effect points, did Paranormal Activity better with less. That's the epitome of less is more. I like gimmicks in in horror movies, and and even in films as a whole. And I guess in any sort of media, like, all of my favorite bands have, like, a gimmick to them. Like, Aquabats, Guar, fucking anything that, like... If you have a theme and you roll with it, that rules. And uh, side note, bands with gimmicks. You got me into Stellar Corpses. Yeah, they're dude. doing Bat the Band, which is like Aquabats but for horror. Punk. Yes, sir. So if you like horror punk, check out Bat. Check out Stellar Corpses, Necromantics, anything on Bat Cave Records. Yes, sir. I think as far as film goes, a gimmick is good as long as it adds to an experience. William Castle, king of the gimmick, king uh-huh. of the film gimmick, and. That's the way you should do it. Like, Paranormal Activity was cool. The first one, I was stoked. It got super played out. Really? Yeah. I I love those movies. I I will defend every single one of them because they were so fun for me. I'll fight you to the death. Please do. (laughs) But uh, uh, William Castle, I think, really, like, 
hit the nail on the head when it came to gimmicks because he was uh, he was like a more camp version of Alfred Hitchcock exactly is exactly how I see him he's the the, the everyman's yeah. <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock because <laughs> he was working for um, some production company and then he went I was going to say he went rogue but he, he went independent and started making <laughs> shitty B-movies for as cheap as humanly possible and he became infamous for it and I'd love to do like a, a whole episode on him and unpack all the shit that he worked on but he eventually like he worked his way up he was a producer on Rosemary's Baby mm-hmm. and respectable in the film world but Hell he yeah. his most famous work is is all gimmicky goofy shit like the tingler the tingler <laughs> I love the tingler bad name very very cool execution yeah. I think um oh god what's his name he's got the super thin mustache John Waters. Oh. John Waters is a is a huge William Castle fan and, and has been throughout his entire childhood. And the, the gimmick for the Tingler, if if I'm remembering correctly, is that Anthony, do you know the Tingler? I don't. So there's like a a creature called the Tingler, and it attaches itself to like your spinal column, and it, it is uh activated by fright and can only be defeated by screaming, I think is what it was. Yeah. So uh William Castle, when this film came out, he had a bunch of devices installed under the seats in the theater, and they would vibrate when the the tingler was on the screen. And so, as a, as a kid, I was reading like John Waters would go out of his way, look under all the seats, and would sit in those seats so he can get like the full experience of seeing the tingler. Nobody would ever do that anymore. That's like no, that's an incredible gimmick. Well, I mean, they do it at Universal Studios. Like you can yeah. go to the, like the Bugs Life ride, and they spray water in your face or whatever. You see like Shrek 4D and stuff. But like, I would love to see a horror movie with something like that. Have you seen the film Matinee? No. Okay, it's got John Goodman, but it's it's <laughs> basically like the story of Nick Castle making movies and about like how he rigs up the cinema and like how he thinks of all this stuff. And it's, it's amazing, and it's so campy and cheesy but like i think in matinee they make it so like the movie comes to life or something they do something really cheesy but it's it's such a good film is there enough in here that we can get like an episode out of it i think so i think based on everything you guys are saying that's just one of the movies that he worked on yeah yeah we haven't even got to the ghost stories yet so william castle is responsible for the the gimmick and behind and the film 13 ghosts from 1960 I which didn't know there was one before 2001. Oh, yeah. First of all, I'm very fond of the 2001 remake. I, I have, like, really bad Seven Samurai syndrome where, like, I love lists of things and, like, here's that person's backstory and here is this thing. And, like, for the, the remake of 13 Ghosts, each of the, the ghosts in the film has lore behind it. Yeah, and they're I each... love stuff like that. Like 13 they... Ghosts is fantastic. Yeah. I, I came up thinking that, like, the quote black zodiac was a real thing and they made that up and wrote it for the film and i was blown away like i have the the blu-ray i have all the extras where they delve into each of these specific ghosts yeah there's definitely not enough in the film like i'm so happy with special features where they're just like here's more because i constantly wanted more it was oh what an experience but the original 13 ghosts it was filmed in quote illusion o. Oh, illusion o. <laughs> and so the the premise is the same that there is a I believe it's a nephew still inheriting 
a uh, mansion from his allegedly deceased uncle and he has to go spend the night in this house and then he'll get the money that he is owed for his inheritance and so the way that illusiono worked <laughs> which kills me the film was set up in, <laughs> in such a way that you can put yourself into one of two categories you're either a brave audience member or you're one of the more apprehensive audience members and they would give you a pair of not quite 3D goggles but they would have blue and red stripes in them where if you look through just the the blue filter on your glasses you would be able to watch the movie normally but if you look through the red filter on your glasses you would be able to see a red filtered ghost that was superimposed over whatever scene the ghosts were in and so the thought of being able to adjust your your movie going experience is astounding to me uh, i was reading some interviews and some of the critics were saying that like the gimmick took away from it and like i i, I of course didn't see the movie in 1960 but this is something in me today i would kill to go see something like that illusion yeah. is actually used in quite a few films around that era really? and in famous monsters magazine they used to be like you know you get the little adverts and you could cut out the coupon and send oh. it with the money you used to be able to get illusion glasses I, oh my i gotta look on ebay or something i would love like yeah. a set of illusion glasses like just to have and like yeah. i i always just see like when you said illusion i was like oh illusion because like the logo in itself is all spooky yeah and it's got like rings in the background like it's trying to hypnotize you they just look really cute it's it's so so cool I, I, I wish I could have seen this movie in theaters. Yeah, like, I can't imagine watching it now and not being able to have that experience. Like, it would just make it any other film. I, I tried watching it, and, like, I obviously I don't have the glasses. I could probably do it with, you know, red and blue cellophane myself. But I watched it just, like, straight. And the, the beginning of the film, it ran with instructions on how to use the, the glasses. And that that was amazing to me. And, like... The ghosts in this movie, like, they're different than the 13 ghosts from, from the other movies, so it was... I would imagine. The 13 ghosts in the 2001 have a very, like, early 2000s vibe to them. They each came from a different time period, and it was kind of cool. Yeah, but for sure. But also, like, we were very much about, like, hey, here's, like, the cool gore effect we can do for this one. Exactly. And, yeah, this rather was just... than a ghost. The original 13 Ghosts was more like, you know what's scary? Floating head! And everybody would <laughs> shit their pants in the theater. <laughs> but th there are some, some cool ghosts in there that like definitely hold up. I was telling you guys before, one of the ghosts is a lion with a, a disembodied, uh, not disembodied, a decapitated lion tamer. And like as one ghost, that counts as one. And then his head is just a different ghost. <laughs> But it's, it's it's a William Castle way of doing things, though, because he does the same thing in House on Haunted Hill. Yes. Where he has that skeleton that just keeps, like, moving around. Flies around the theater. <laughs> yeah. Fun fact. Yes. That skeleton is here is, is as me. our special guest. <laughs> Yay. No. <laughs> um, I got really excited for a second. He's going to start jangling something. That skeleton is billed as himself in the credits and on IMDb. Yeah. I'm sorry? Yeah. He's skeleton? actually, like, considered a it's, cast it's member. It's built on the, on the <laughs> skeleton cast as list skeleton as himself, <laughs> and it's on IMDb. God bless <laughs> this dude. Unbelievable. But yeah, even, like, as you said, for 13 Ghosts, how they're all from different time periods, uh, I feel like that's another thing that we get as a bonus for a good 
ghost story film. They always go that extra mile to make things more authentic. They give you an experience from a time that's not your own. It's one of my favorite things about Crimson Peak. I mean, they go the extra mile to like build that atmosphere of something being wrong within whatever time period it's set in to drag it back to another time. It's just more of that element of things that linger. It's things from history that we can't quite rid ourselves of. Like everything in the fog that I love. Just old ghost pirates. Exactly. I love the fog. It's like, and you guys are going to crucify me for this, but my favorite John Carpenter film. Yeah, I didn't get That's because you haven't watched all of them. Okay, I haven't watched this, all of them. This is but my favorite. That's your favorite because you haven't watched all of them. I've watched you enough watched of them they to live. know. I have watched They Live. Are you kidding oh, me? Oh, wait, no, you have. <laughs> Which one haven't you watched? Vampires. Is that the only one? It's the only one that comes to mind immediately. Big Trouble in Little China? I've seen Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, so you only have one to go. I think, well, I'm think i sure I, there's then more. Then I am very disappointed that that is your favorite no, one. No, it's so good. It's so cut and dry. Here's a ghost story. I'm not saying it's not good. I'm just saying, out of John Carpenter's films, I don't think it's the best. Yeah, because the thing is the best <laughs> Well, one. Yeah. Y- yeah, thank you. But, (laughs) again, coming from the standpoint of my favorite thing to do is just sit down and watch a ghost story. I don't watch the thing to sit down and watch a ghost story. I watch the thing because no matter how many times I've seen it, it still puts me on the edge of my seat. And it's phenomenal across the board. Which one's going to be the thing this time? (laughs) Same. Whoops. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it does a great job of building up that suspense. But the fog... Again, cut and dry ghost story. Like you said, there was just some ghost pirates. I love that we find a way every episode to come back to John Carpenter. Fuck, I didn't even... I said... I, I genuinely love that. I was wondering when it was going to happen On today. the second one, I was like, I'm going to find a way to talk about John... That as a joke. And here I am, I was like, but what about the fog? <laughs> Fuck me. I could have said... I, I was like half going to say Rose Red, oh. which... We we gotta go back. We almost watched it the other day and Yeah, but forgot just... it's six hours long. Is that how long two hundred and fifty five minutes is now that I'm on the <laughs> the page right now? Maybe. I'm bad at math, so it could be I don't know. I think it's closer to four hours, but it's still like it's a long film. But if you want a good ghost story, Rose Red scared the shit out of me when I was younger. It scared my mom so much that she forgot that she watched it and I, I did that too. I was talking to her about it the other day I was over there and uh, <laughs> my brother was home and I was like, hey, mom, we're going to be talking about ghost stories today. Do you remember Rose Red? That was so fun. She was like, what do you Stephen King is one of her favorite authors. And she was like, what do you mean, Rose Red? Yeah, do you see The Uninvited? I don't think so. There, there's two ghost movies called The Uninvited. They're unrelated. Um, I remember when it came out, and it also came out around the same time as another unsomething film. I think it was the Uninvited and the Unborn. Yeah, Nebby. I saw wants one to of them. Born now with uh, what's her name? Oh, I saw the Unborn then. Sorry, yeah. I just smacked it out. No, the Uninvited is the one with Elizabeth Banks, where there's two friends, and one of them is a secret ghost, and the whole movie's like the mom is the murderer, and then at the end they're just like, yeah. But she's a ghost. I don't know. There's pearls and a dumpster. Then maybe I did see that also. It's not good. It, no, but the pearls are ringing a bell. 
Oh, because they were her mom's pearls. And then, I think I did see this film, and I chose not to remember it. Yeah, Elizabeth Unlike Rose like, Red, which scared the shit out of me, and I forgot it until I watched it again, and it scared me again. My mom got scared because I, I made her remember Rose Red, and I, fe- I felt genuinely awful, because I got to watch her, like, flash back to it, and she was like, Rose Red, and I was trying to jog her memory. I was like, yeah, it's like a haunted house, and there's a bunch of... Uh, psychics, and she was just like, well, "Oh, oh!" <laughs> <laughs> became a ghost herself, and she was, like literally was like, oh, "I don't want, I don't want to talk about, it. I don't want to talk about it." Like that's scary. Like that's how good a ghost movie can be. Yeah. Also, it like it has everything. It has the atmosphere. It has the lore, and there's so much lore to unpack in Rose Red. Four hours worth. Ooh. The thing that I, I, I've noticed, like, in my research and, I guess, life, is, like, not... Ghost movies don't always have to be horror films, but I think they should be. Well, that's where the problem comes into play with Crimson Peak. It's not a horror film. Gothic horror has the word horror right in it. Right, but even I, as... I didn't say, like, like, it doesn't have to... It, it has to be scary. Well, I mean, okay, the, like, I find with most ghost stories the best ones are more drama than horror like crimson peak it's more of a drama than it is a horror film there's no real scare element yes the ghosts are terrifying an image but i mean you want to talk about ghosts with purpose they only show up to do their job totally they they show up and they move the story along yeah it's definitely a period drama with ghosts in it and they more or less are the driving force of the plot. But, I don't know. I think it still counts. But there's, like... I can't think of, like, a good comedy ghost movie. Beetlejuice. Ghostbusters. <laughs> I can't believe I didn't introduce myself as the ghost with the most. Ah. Fuck. Can I change mine? <laughs> Beetlejuice is now my favorite ghost movie. <laughs> because everything about it is amazing oh yeah oh young winona Ryder as gothy lydia deets and was hang on was beetlejuice something else before it was the beetlejuice movie no beetlejuice was like an, an original dalton burton oh, okay and uh by welch but still <laughs> fuck what a but, you know i'm gonna give tim burton all the credit because it's me no <laughs> i'm sorry by welch who does all the claymation? Does it does, is it the same team that Tim Burton uh, employs? No. So for Nightmare Before Christmas, the director was Henry Selleck, and Henry Selleck brought in most of the animation team. Ah. And on Frank and Weenie, that was, was done in all London. Disney, right? Well, yeah, but it was done in London, and they had uh, a lot of the model makers were actually volunteers from one of the London art universities. Bunch of fucking interns, huh? Because there's some really, really good claymation in Beetlejuice. Yeah, I think it gets overlooked because it's not specifically one of Tim Burton's claymation films. But I mean, like, we wouldn't have the sandworms without it. Oh, yeah, definitely. As I'm scoping out your sandworms pin. How did I not mention Beetlejuice before this? (laughs) Beetlejuice. (laughs) (laughs) That has to be your new nickname. (laughs) Beetlejuice. Oh, fuck. Um, I can't believe I haven't talked about Candyman yet. Candyman counts as a ghost story, right? Yeah, Candyman yeah. is a ghost. And that's one of my favorite films. D- ever? I think it, it ranks up there. It's definitely wow. in my top 
20. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but think about all the films that I'm, like, obsessed with. It's, I guess It's definitely true. up there. Yeah. Um, Candyman is amazing to me. I, I think it's absolutely incredible. And it counts as a ghost story because technically he is a ghost. He's super a ghost. I also think Candyman is, is super up there with actually scary films from that 90s early 2000s genre of horror because we got a lot more camp than we deserved in 90s and early 2000s and Candyman (laughs) did a great job of not specifically catering to the camp and still creating a compelling and terrifying ghost story very very cool character himself Candyman anybody with like good backstory and good lore behind it like I I stand with like, that's why I'm very fond of the Nightmare on Elm Street films. Yep. Is, is he a ghost? Oh! Um, <laughs> Freddy, Freddy. Krueger. Oh. Hang on. Do you know what? Technically, Technically he is, yeah. Because he's a dead guy who came back. He's a dead and guy who just appears that they killed, and he comes back in dreams. So, yeah. Holy shit. That's I guess that story. makes Jason Voorhees more of a ghoul because he's a dead thing that came back. Yeah, he's in some a sort body. of zombie. <laughs> yeah. What body did he come back into? Because he died as a boy, right? Yeah, and came back as a man. That's a very good point. You know, they say that when you die, your fingernails and hair keep growing, which is a lie. But <laughs> Jason Voorhees just kept growing. <laughs> I'm bulked. <laughs> He got big and fit. <laughs> oh. Wait, well, what is that from? So dead is better? Sometimes dead is better. Uh, Pet Cemetery. Pet Cemetery. Yeah. They got the. You know, Jason just got better after death. I can't wait for the new Pet Cemetery. It looks I amazing. I kind of don't want Pet Cemetery to happen, even though it's happening. Is this going to be Pet Cemetery? Like, this is a remake? Straight or? remake. Yeah. I mean, um, I get it okay. because it would be nice for the story to be told in a more. I guess current current way but I still I adore the first one it's incredible it, and Church the Cat is terrifying yeah but no, don't go down the road. trailer <laughs> for the new one looks beautiful couldn't bring myself to watch it I, I like haven't watched the trailer yet but I try not to watch trailers until I've watched the film if it's something that I really want to see because they put all the Halloween. best parts in the trailer yeah. yeah I didn't watch any of the Halloween trailers oh wait no I did I watched the Halloween trailer um. Yeah, I did in the end. It was really like unescapable. All everything I follow on social media came back to Halloween. I genuinely so, had to try very hard to avoid. Yeah. Because like I don't know. Because I, I, I care so much about yeah Halloween and John Carpenter. I was like I I need back to. Back at John Carpenter. I, <laughs> horror daddy. I'm surprised I haven't been talking more about Bruce Campbell. <sighs> Bruce Campbell is my favorite horror I, guy I, ever. I think we need a whole episode on just like our favorite, hundred percent actors because we went on a rant about Bill Moses and Sid Haig last time as well, which yeah. I feel needs longer. Yeah, we we can definitely <laughs> do some hashing out there. And Robert England. Yeah, there what are about? definitely some very notable horror specific actors and writers and directors that are just like we wouldn't have the genre as it is today without them. Definitely. Bill Cosby and Ghost Dad. What? Uh. That's scary, right? <laughs> is that even real? You ain't seen Ghost Dad. No. Whoa, what the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> I got possessed by an orphan. And, and I got so mad. 
I know I've been here for a couple of weeks, but still. I need to copy my accent. I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> oh, because I, I was doing... We were talking about uh, Simon Pegg before, and I was doing Hot Fuzz. You, you always seen Bad Boys too. Oh, right, that's what you're trying to do. <laughs> I, didn't, I, I wasn't trying... My brain was trying to do it. But, like, after I said it, I was like, I think I was making fun of Anna by mistake? <laughs> no. Um, my mind just went on a small tangent where you said ghost dad in an English accent, which brought me to the English orphan accent, which we've all come to know. Oh, the orphanage. The orphanage. Yes. One of the greatest ghost stories I've ever seen. And I mean, the fact that it's in Spanish and done with subtitles just draws you into the film that much more because you're not only watching it, but you're reading it and you're experiencing it. And to this day, every time I watch it, I'm still completely engrossed in the story. For those of you that don't know by my last name, uh, I I do speak Spanish. So I I watched the, the orphanage just straight and it didn't even like click to me that people that like horror movies have had to watch that with subtitles. Uh, I'm glad to hear that it doesn't take away from it. No, not even remotely. For me, I feel like it adds to the experience, and I'm almost sorry for you that you got to watch it fully, like, without subtitles. Because I've experienced, like, I I like a lot of Japanese horror. That's, like, one of of my go-to things, because they do do ghost movies. Holy shit, I can't believe I didn't talk about any of the... I mean, I brought up The we Ring and the on, Grudge, yeah. which are yeah. just bad remakes of good ghost stories. Thanks, America. Maybe we can do, like, a, a Japanese horror episode, because, like, a I'm lot so of the good ones are, are ghosts. Oh, Inside, which is too upsetting. I can't... Martyrs. I can talk, talk on, about, about Inside for, like, a second, and then I get really upset, because I can't think about it again. Yeah. That's, ge- that's genuinely upsetting, rather than, like, haunting. It's upsetting that they made that film. That was my reaction to Chappie. And I, I, I know oh. that. What's Chappie? It's, okay, so for somebody who, like me, cries at all robot movies, oh, no. Chappie will make you cry. Oh, crap. It, it but also, it blanked in my mind that Chappie is a real thing, and I thought you were mentioning Chuppie the Crime Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> He's back. Want to do a crime? <laughs> but uh, we both know about Chappie, right? I'm yeah. not insane. No. Hey, kids, let's do a crime. <laughs> but uh, Chappie was, like, for me, my standard of, like, what makes a movie good is if it elicits an emotional response and so I guess I would have to categorize Chappie by my own rule as a good film but I will never watch it again because it's about the corruption of innocence where like he uh, there's an artificial intelligence which is put into a robot and he gets kidnapped by D'Antward the band from South Africa and they teach him to do crimes and that's true so he he's got this childlike innocence to him because he's he's a baby in in all essence and they're so like oh edward scissorhands-esque exactly like so where they tell him to break into that yeah, house like, oh, this like, is okay. good like that'll Feel yeah help. that's what we're supposed to do yeah. and he ends up fuck he ends up killing somebody Aww. and so he has this like moment of like oh fuck and i just like it was too upsetting for me to watch Aww. and so then the people view Ch- uh, chappie as a murderer and they're throwing bottles and shit at him, and I know he's a CG fucking robot. Oh no! But, like, but that makes me even more. It, it made upset me like sick. Like, I, I felt like physically sick because I was like, "That's Andy Circus up there, maybe <laughs> giving his fucking all." Oh, it's making me upset just visualizing it. I don't think I could. We have to watch it one day. No, it's incredible. Me and no. robots Every... are just like 
Chappy Earth to Echo. We'll have a sad robot film day I too. Chappy gets me going, dude. Aww. It's making me upset you talking about it. So I'm oh yeah, I think I would be a mess. So we'll bring it back, we'll bring it back, we'll bring it back. We're just gonna we're gonna have to do a quick old ghost wrap up, some recommendations of the day. Anthony will give us his fear that he has looked up ahead of time. Um and <laughs> meaning now. And then we'll we'll say goodbye and thank you for my life. Anthony and I have been watching Haunting Hill House on Netflix. Dojo, have you seen it? I watched the first few episodes. Okay. It's bad um, and wrong. I'm not going to say on. anything that's happened because there's probably still loads of people yeah, it's, watching it's it. it's very current. It kind of sucked. Yeah. Did like, you guys watch all of it? Yeah. yeah. Oh. And from the first episode, we didn't like it. Really? Yeah. I liked and it we from the first episode. We tried so hard to power through and eventually we got there and I feel like it was the biggest waste of our time 10 hours of our time yeah Um, episodes there's one episode episode that i love from uh i think it's called two storms was it the sixth episode or something sixth episode i think it's called two storms and it's done in the same way that alfred hitchcock shot rope in which there are almost no cuts it's it took about mostly a single shot for the first cut and it does an incredible job of weaving together the two stories that are unfolding. Mm-hmm. Okay. However, I will give all of The Haunting of Hill House a generous three hours of worthwhile watch time out of the ten. And that's combining pieces from episodes. Yeah. Can I skip to that episode or should I watch everything in between? I think if you've um, watched the first episode, you could watch the sixth episode and then the tenth episode. Yeah. They Oof. do a lot of repeating themselves. They do a lot of... And there's no and character I get it, building. There's a point. Really? Actually, they tried the to last build, half an hour of episode nine. Anyone that can relate to any of the characters in that film by the end is a sociopath because they're just emotionless, crappy actors that just don't engage you at all. And if you can relate to them in any way, shape or form, then especially the oldest two of the siblings, the then I genuinely feel sorry for you as a person because you're boring and dull and you... And you know what? Yeah. I get having dislikable characters. I think that's an admirable thing to do. But I don't care but, about them. Yeah, it's the different between having characters that you dislike for being dislikable and characters that you dislike because they don't add anything to the story or the scenario. Uh, they all are just blank faces. Yeah. That honks. And I feel like, especially in a ghost story, you need an emotional connection there. Because a lot of good ghost stories come from play the heart. On, yeah, they come from the heart, and they like pull on your emotions to get you involved in feeling like you're haunted along with the character, which I feel like they could have done in Hill House and they didn't. Also, having read the book that Haunting of Hill House is based on, and I'm using based on real loosely. Because um, as somebody had put it to me, it's more of a reimagining than a retelling. Because it certainly isn't a retelling. They kept very few elements of the actual book to keep it worthwhile. The book, very good, very chilling. Does a good job of bringing together the thing at the end that makes it... What are you laughing at, Doze? Would you call it a betrayal at the house uh, on the hill. Oof. <laughs> One of our favorite board games. My literal favorite board game. Horror-based board game. It was definitely a betrayal at house on the hill. Hell yeah. <laughs> also, the Thing board game is so fucking good. Oh, I so want to play it. 
and there's a big trouble in the china board game as well really right oh i just found it the john carpenter family of board games <laughs> you guys have recommendations for today one film that i haven't touched on which i probably should have done because we mentioned horror comedies as house just house if you look up like house film it'll probably come up with it it's i, have, yeah. I think the cover is usually like this kind of zombie hand ringing a doorbell oh yeah i've seen that and then not watched it <sighs> countless times it's fantastic it's super fun and campy and cheesy but like on purpose it's just really cute to me even though it's technically a haunting film but i love it it's it's so much fun and it's the best thing to just put on and chill out to um in fact the whole collection is kind of fun i could oh, just yeah there's a bunch of them yeah I three think sequels five? so four total four okay house two the second story <laughs> fuck <laughs> house three the horror show and house four Housebound. the repossession yeah so i totally recommend house because it's just super fun and if you actually don't want to be scared by a ghost film then that's just one that's just super fun to watch oh that's exciting so that's house 1986 uh house the translation of house the 77 Japanese film, which is also fun, very absurd. They play that all the time at the the horror lock-in by us. Yeah. And I've seen Haosu maybe like six times in my life, and I still don't understand it. <laughs> I've still never done the horror lock-in. I fully intended to do it this past year, and then I forget what happened. It's the horror lock-in. So it's, it's my favorite thing in the whole world. Annually, uh, the Cinema Arts Center in Huntington over here, for $30, they let you in with... You know, you can bring pillows, blankets, any amount of snacks that you want, uh, and they will play six horror films, five that they announce beforehand, and then one secret sixth one. You won't know what it is until they show it in a big marathon. And you're not literally locked in, but if you stay through all six films on the way out, they give you $10 back. And, and pancake they, breakfast. They serve you breakfast in the morning. That's awesome. And I try to go every year, and it's an absolute blast. Whenabouts is it in the year? It's uh, summertime. It's August, usually. Oh, yeah. but it's... I know you've missed it for the last two because we intended to go together. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> but that's where I saw Suspiria for the first time. And oh, Suspiria. I was, I was so upset because they, there was a lot of like hype and discussion about like what the secret film was going to be a few years ago. Because we were, I think, like the 20th anniversary of Night of the Living Dead. I thought we were going to get you know, one of the dead films, and I was looking forward to that. But it ended up fucking being Suspiria, and it, it was just, like, uh, an extended cut or, like, a rare cut of Suspiria, and I just don't like it as a film. I sat through the... I don't know if it was because I had just watched five excellent movies, and then Suspiria is okay, and that was the last one, but I just... I left disappointed, and it, it fucking bummed me out. But strongly recommend the horror lock-in. It's my favorite thing, my favorite tradition. Anthony, what's the recommendation that you have for our lovely listener? I think I'm going to throw in... <laughs> I was only going to throw in one, and on the note of ghost stories, I was going to say, watch Skeleton Key. It's the ah. epitome of a Louisiana ghost story. And also very ties haunting, in some very good, real very voodoo. voodoo. Yes. Yeah. Ties in some real-life lore of hoodoo and voodoo. It's the kind of thing where you'll watch it and not realize how much lore is packed into it until you maybe are prompted to do some research later. As Anna had mentioned, House as a campy fun film. I'm also going to recommend Saturday the 14th 
as a campy fun film. <laughs> Hell yeah. It's technically a haunting. It's super weird. Watch out for those owls. Does what do you got for us? Fuck, I don't have anything fun or campy. I wanted to recommend a genuinely scary ghost film. One of my favorite movies of the last decade. Last Shift. Oh. Last Shift fucked me up. It was one of those, like, that I was scrolling through on Netflix and I saw it and, like, the little thumbnail was, like, uh, a guy with, like, a pentagram carved into his face and I was like, this is gonna fucking suck. And I put it on before bed and I literally stayed up the entire time because I was so scared watching this movie. So good. It's got great ghosts. It's quite recent, isn't it? It's, yeah. yeah it's, I haven't seen it, but I keep seeing it pop up on Netflix. I, I can't recommend it enough. It's got culty stuff. It's paranormal. And the ending, like, I, I couldn't go to sleep. I had to watch something else because it literally, I had, like, my head in my hands and I was like, fucking, wow. I, I couldn't recommend it enough. The first thing I, I did was text Anthony. I was like, you gotta see this movie, dude. Yeah. I watched so, uh, it almost immediately after. It is a good film. I almost completely forgot it was a ghost story. I yeah. would have totally not mentioned it if you hadn't. Very, very ghosty. Very, very fun. If you like being very scared. Speaking of, Anthony, you got you got a fear for us today? Oh, yeah. I got a fear of the day for you guys. What do you guys think pneumatophobia is? Does it start with a P? Yeah. Fear of... Oh, God. Your sinus is exploding. No. Is it like fear of illness? No. Pneumatophobia is the fear of ghosts. What? Oh, of course it is. We never link that it's his fear of the day is related to what we're talking about. I can't promise they're I'm always so going to be, but I do try. <laughs> what do you mean it's the fear of ghosts? Yeah, pneumatophobia, the fear of ghosts. That's dumb. Apparently, and because you asked me last time about origin, the origin is Greek. So apparently something uh, in Greek. Pneumos. Pneuma something is ghosts. It's pressure. I don't think so. That's what pneumo is. In Greek? Maybe uh, in Latin. Oh, then I'm fucking wrong. So thanks for joining us here at the Hauntsville Cryptcast. I'm Doza. I'm Anthony. I'm Anna. We'll haunt you later. <laughs> and I'll see you in hell? <laughs> we'll haunt you later. Yeah, I just figured it worked because we're talking about hauntings. What happened to Happy Haunting? Yeah.